Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of The Horse. Tonight, we're talking about the benefits of massage for your horse, and it's brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, makers of Elevate. We're joined by Michelle Heyman, owner of Equilibrium Therapy in Lexington, Kentucky, and Dr. Gina Shade, who's a veterinarian, who also has an interest in massage as well as sports medicine, reproduction, and field care. Welcome to you both. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So, Michelle, we were just chatting before we went live, and you mentioned that you are in Florida right now uh, working on the dressage horses that are doing the observation event to make the Olympic uh, team for dressage. Um, so can you tell us how you ended up doing equine massage and at this level? Because that's pretty exciting. Well, ironically, I started doing equine massage because one of my own horses got a spinal cord injury. Um, and interestingly, Dr. Shade actually worked with him later down the road. Um, and I had to start working on him myself because I was living in Mexico at the time and there really weren't any people to help me with him. So that's what got me started. And then it's been a long journey since then through Midway University's program and then continuing education and then just growing, growing the business over 12 years now, which seems crazy. Yeah. But I've every minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very exciting down there. Um, get, get those horses going their best so they can head to, to Tokyo and hopefully medal for us. So um, Dr. Shade, so you also have a certification in equine massage and have incorporated it in your practice over the years. Can you tell us how you became interested in, in massage? Sure thing. So um, much like my love of veterinary medicine, just my love of horses in general, um, at a young age before I could even apply to vet school, I wanted to be able to give back to horses in a positive way that they really enjoyed. So that is actually when I sought out the massage certification. Um, so still in um, undergraduate school um, with veterinary school on the horizon. And so I started to do it um, more or less as a favor to a lot of the horses in my barn because I felt that I saw they worked so hard and then developed it into a small business, went on to veterinary school. And then once I got certified in acupuncture, I incorporate massage with my acupuncture sessions. Um, not so much solely as massage, but as a um, combination therapy. Um, so I really enjoy doing that. So I want to give everyone a quick review of our Ask the Horse Live format. We're going to be starting with the questions that people submitted during registration. But if you're listening live and you have a question or you'd like a clarification on a response, you can enter that question in the chat window in front of you if you've joined us on your computer. Um, we're going to do our best to get to as many of your questions as possible. And if you're listening to our archive or our podcast and are interested in join us, joining us for future events, you can register to receive our announcements at thehorse.com or visit thehorse.com slash askthehorselive. So with that all out of the way, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Dr. Shade, the first question is for you. How is massage regulated in the United States when it comes to horses? And where's the line between body work and the practice of veterinary medicine? Yeah, so I'll definitely start with that. And I'm going to have Michelle chime in as well. Um, so it's really state by state. Um, regulated and so you really need to be familiar with your state's veterinary practice act um, to know if you need to be working under a licensed veterinarian um, or not so there are a lot of specific guidelines that one has to look into a little too broad to capture in this um, Q&A um, but like for Pennsylvania for instance they need to be working under uh, veterinarians uh, you know, guidance and things like that. So as a veterinarian, I rarely think about those things because I fit the bill for both. Um, and then, you know, definitely a, a body worker and a massage therapist is definitely not making a diagnosis. So um, Michelle, I know you've got some, some details to add to that. Yes, in addition to the Veterinary Practice Act guiding uh, the law in each state and what can and can't be done by a non-veterinarian. There's also regulations associated with different disciplines. 
for example, the horses I'm working with at the observation event are governed, governed by the FEI, which means that we have to follow all of the rules of the FEI for the competition year. So you have to have a permitted equine therapist license to be working with those animals because that's the governing board of the competition that they're competing in. That can be with thoroughbred racing or quarter horse racing. It can be the racing commission in a given state. Um, it can be specific racetrack laws It can be, or racetrack regulations. It can also be like USDF rules. It can be any, any various com competing regulating body that's actually gonna govern what you can and can't do with an animal. So does that responsibility fall to the horse owner or to the person offering the service? In my opinion, it should be the person offering the service that needs to know what those what those regulations are, but that's not always the case. For an example, with our higher level athletes, like the ones competing here, the ones competing at the Land Rover five-star event in Kentucky, those FBI athletes know the rules as well. And they're considered persons responsible for knowing whether something can or can't be done during competition. So it's more of a team approach, really, at that level. And at the lower levels, it's the responsibility, in my opinion, of the professional that's actually providing the service. So, Michelle, yeah, I we would have agree. a question. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dr. Shade. That's okay. I was just saying I would definitely agree with what she said. So primarily falls on the responsibility of the body worker, especially at the lower levels, um, making sure you're abiding by, you know, your state practice act. So Michelle, we have a question from Kim in California, and she wants to know what's the best way to determine whether a practitioner is qualified? Does certification help you know that that they have the skills to provide the services? Certification can help. Just keep in mind that there are courses where you can go for two to four hours and you can receive a certificate at the end of that. So it's really important to ask that professional what level of certification they've completed, how much education that required, what their background is, what other knowledge they have, and whether what other education they have that supports them being really truly qualified to work with your horse. Dr. Shade, we have a question from Rebecca in British Columbia, Canada. She wants to know, is massage best left to the professional or is there value in the do-it-yourself approach? Um, in my opinion, definitely left to the professional. Um, reason being is similar to our last question. You really want to have a functional working knowledge of anatomy and physiology bones, muscles, tendons, ligaments, attachments, um, extension, flexion, all of these things that the horse, um, you know, has and can accomplish because um, you can certainly um, apply this technique and have um, no good, no outcome, basically, um, as well as, you know, being applying pressure in wrong areas per se or over bony prominences which is not something that we do or over large vessels which is not something that we do or directly over the kidneys which is not something that we do and so um, there are some ways that sometimes your massage therapist may want to work with you to help give you some strokes and show you one-on-one -on -one, um, about how you can keep your horse you know a little more supple and things like that in between sessions, but I would definitely be looking to a professional to give you that advice. Michelle, we have a question from Lena in New York, and she says, wants to know, as a massage therapist, is it up to you or your client to determine how often equine athletes receive treatments? In my experience, that should be a team approach because even though I might have an objective that I'd like to accomplish a certain timeline with a horse and try and get ahead of some body issues, those types of things, the owner's budget has to come into play as well. And that's always a consideration. To, to be honest, like most of the horses that I'm working with are on a high level competing schedule. And so they get worked on pretty frequently, but I also work on some horses that are, you know, lower level show horses that 
really people are just mostly enjoying and we try and work on them within the constraints of the owner's budget and try and keep them comfortable and manage any problems that they may have in conjunction with their veterinarian um, but really it's a, it's a team approach to that and everything in what we do is a team approach and it's not just us and the owner the vets involved there's the farrier sometimes is involved it's really a holistic approach to working with these animals and trying to help them be their best. Dr. Shade, we have a question from Janice in Iowa, and she says that older horsemen say a good grooming, including a vigorous curry, is as good as a massage or is massaging the horse. Um, from your perspective, is, is that the case? Is that a way that we owners can self-massage a little bit in a way that the horses enjoy it? I think that's definitely a good, um, productive way to really bond with your horse and get that blood flow going um, in a safe manner, right? It's not um, invasive, so to speak, and you're really working on the surface. Um, so do I think it would have the same benefit as a professional massage and the same outcome? Not necessarily. Do I think it's a benefit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Michelle, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's beneficial for the horse to get a good curry and it does help stimulate blood flow and help and help types of things. Um, it's not a replacement per se for professional work. If you've got an issue, you definitely need to contact a professional to have somebody come out and see the horse in person so that they can help you with any, any deeper issues that might be developing. Um, but currying is always great. It's a good start. And, and Michelle, um, along with that, are there any stretches or exercises that you recommend to the horse owners to do? Uh, between their massage sessions to help help the horse in between when they can can get you out yeah sometimes we do recommend specific stretches we tend to not recommend stretches as an across the board scenario because there are some contraindications um, there's always going to be a horse that has tension in a certain area or an injury in a certain area that we don't want them to stretch in the same way as the horse that doesn't have that issue so it's on a case-by-case -case basis as to what stretches we would recommend and how we would teach them to be done. So it's really customized to the individual. Uh, Dr. Shade, we have a question that's come in from our live audience. Uh, Kyla wants to know, at what age do you recommend massaging horses? Can you do it, have it done for younger horses? Uh, is it good for older horses? Like, is, do you have any specific recommendations? Um, I'd say across the board, it's going to help any animal of any age, right? It's a matter of getting that connection as well with the animal, getting hands-on. So, you know, my um, perspective of a younger horse would be, you know, you're creating that physical touch. You're creating that ability to um, get hands-on with that horse so that especially later in life, as they develop possibly an injury or they need recuperation from an injury um, they may even be more accepting of, of such a procedure most horses across the board are pretty accepting of it um, you'll find that older horses I feel especially those really reliable schoolmaster type dressage horses um, really really love it um, and even high-strung horses will respond really well to um, massage, I feel like, um, especially when comparing it to some of the other modalities. And so um, across the board, I really feel that all ages, you know, are going to benefit from all of the, um, the benefits that massage brings, right? Like increasing range of motion, maintaining blood flow, um, muscle compliance is increased, decreasing stiffness, all of those sorts of things. So you both um, referred to the holistic approach. I think, Michelle, you were saying about working with the farriers as well and the veterinarians of these horses. Um, how 
does the work you do in, integrate with the horse's actual training or even saddle fit of the horse? Are, are these things that you're paying attention to as a massage therapist and helping give feedback for, for the rider um, and the owner? Absolutely. Just yesterday, I actually posted a before and after picture of a horse that had a tension line across the top of his scapula on one side, and I believe it was on both sides, but it was one of the one of my team members in Kentucky who sent me the photos. And we texted the owner and let her know that he was showing this tension line that had never been there. And it's probably time to take a look at saddle fit because that particular line that we see across there is often related to a saddle starting to get a little too tight and she said ironically she was getting ready to call a saddle fitter in the next couple of weeks anyway so it's great timing mm -hmm. um, but we're looking at those types of issues with every horse that we work on if we start to notice correlations and we're working on these horses relatively frequently for the most part there's some that we see a couple of times and then don't see again they're at a horse show or whatever and they go home you know but horses that we see on a regular basis, we can kind of recognize when something's changing and something's not quite right with that horse, sometimes before it presents actually as a lameness or as a different issue. So we're, we're really ahead of the game with trying to make sure that horses get saddle fitted on a regular basis. We'll, we'll reach out directly to a farrier and say, hey, I'm noti noticing some interesting tension in the shoulder that's starting to get a little bit worse instead of better. Can you check out the angles of the feet? And sometimes they'll find something and sometimes they won't. But it's always interesting to get the whole team on board and have everybody communicating with each other. And I send session records all the time to, to vet, sometimes to farriers on specific cases. And they're always available if somebody is going to ask for them. Like if the owner says that, yeah, I can share those records with any of the professionals on the team, then absolutely I send them to whoever wants them. And it really helps try and mitigate the incidence of injury to these animals. It's fantastic. Um, we have a question from Joe in our live audience and Dr. Shade, I'll, I'll send it your way first. Joe wants to know if you can define what massage is. There are so many modalities out there that are being used that are following, falling under massage and body work. Uh, what's the difference uh, between some of these? Yeah, yeah. Massage is definitely hands-on approach. The goal is to increase flexibility and movement for the horse. You're really trying to increase what we call intracellular fluids or the fluid between the cells in the body to fill in that area of normal muscle shape to give those cells a healthy environment um, to really flourish. And so it's really that hands-on approach to the muscle. Um, you know, just for example, versus myofascial release, you're really targeting in on the connective tissue that's underneath um, that skin layer and above that muscle layer that's spider webbing all over the body and interconnecting all of the body. And so, you know, breaking this down uh, last night in my head for a lot of the questions that were going to be coming in, you know, all of these therapies are really targeting very specific things, right? But again, going back to that holistic approach that they all the pieces work together. Um, so um, massage really is going to hone in on that that muscle um, and how it functions and keeps its normal shape, right? Versus its abnormal shape during injury of shortening and lengthening depending on the injury. We have a question from Lisa in our live audience, and Michelle, I'm going to send this to you. Uh, she wants to know what types of massage do horses receive other than Masterson method or Tellington touch? Um, so are you familiar with those methods, and are those things that you can touch on what they are and then how they might compare to massage? Uh, yes, definitely. The, the Tellington touch uses specific ways of touching the body in a circular pattern to try and help stimulate a relaxation response that then prompts the tissue to soften. Uh, Masterson method uses a lot of different techniques actually to accomplish basically the same goal. And Ma Jim Masterson works on a lot of high performance athletes as well and developed his whole program from his experience with them. Um, in addition to those programs, horses also get myofascial release. They get standard massage. I've got a, a woman on my team at home who 
actually does hot stone massage on horses, which totally blew my mind when I met her because it had never crossed my mind that a lovely spa treatment would be something we would apply in a horse barn. It was great. Um, lots of different techniques can be applied. Craniosacral is another really good one. Neuromuscular release. There's just a ton of different options out there that all fall under the category of body work and that are typically hands-on modalities. So most of them sort of fall under massage, but massage is more directly targeting muscle tissue. Myofascial release is directly targeting fascia. Neuromuscular release is talking about the junction between the nerve endings, the nerve fibers and the muscle and how to release the body by basically tapping into the nervous system to some extent through the muscle. Uh, Craniosacral is actually addressing the flow of, for lack of a better description, the flow of cerebrospinal fluid through the body and the flow of energy through the body. And that can be a really profound technique to help with horses. Um, Reiki is another one that's an energy technique and is, is applied regularly to horses as well. I could go on and on all day about this, but there's a lot of options out there. And just because somebody may have tried one type of body work that maybe didn't work for their horse, that doesn't mean that there's not another type of body work that will work even better for them. So there's always options out there to try. And it keeps things really interesting and fresh for me because I always love learning new things. And Dr. Shade, Michelle was talking about, you know, being hands-on with the horse. As a veterinarian, are, is there feedback that you can get from doing massage work on a horse that helps you pinpoint issues the horse might be having that you then can, you know, you have your veterinarian hat on anyway, um, can look into diagnosing things like hindgut issues or reproductive issues or um, maybe gastric ulcers? Can can the feedback from the massage help you go, you know, we should check into X, Y, or Z um, that could be going on with this horse? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope I can, I'm trying to answer this question from a strictly massage standpoint because the acupuncture really plays in a lot for me as well. But I mean, first and foremost, your Western medicine physical exam is supposed to be hands-on, you know, completely. And so, all those veterinarians that were making diagnoses before we had imaging, before we had x-ray, before we had scoping and things like that, um, you know, everyone had to be very attuned to their physical exam and still do. So you're putting your hands all over the horse, you're running your hands down legs, you're feeling tendons, you're feeling for swelling, you're feeling for heat, you're feeling for all of these things that are clue cluing you into, you know, is there an inflammatory state going on? Are they sensitive in a specific area? And then, you know, with regard to my acupuncture, there are correlated points that go to certain organ systems and reactivity points and things like that. And and when you're doing massage, there are some people that are trained in massage, you know, to look at some of these acupressure points. And so sometimes those points are leading you to a certain, you know, diagnosis sort of thing as well. Not a true diagnosis, but um a place where you're going to look further, right, and investigate further um, on a specific area. So, so definitely that that physical exam is super important and gives you a lot of information, absolutely. Uh, Michelle, we have a question from Dave in Illinois, and Dave wants to know, what about those percussion guns uh, advertised on social media? So I think at this point, we've all probably been targeted and seen seen the, uh, the ads with the horses with the massage guns. Is that something that you recommend for horse owners? It depends on the education level of the horse owner and whether they're willing to learn how to use it properly. It's very, very easy to actually cause damage with percussion guns, especially if they're used too high or if they're used over some of the areas of the body, like Dr. Shade was talking about earlier, you don't want to go over bony prominences, large blood vessels, nerve roots, um, a lot of different things like that, where there's areas where you shouldn't be using a percussion gun. And I think we've probably all seen videos where horses trying really hard to be good while someone who doesn't know what they're doing is using a percussion gun on them. And so they're, they're trying to keep it together, but they're kind of rocking back and forth and they look a little anxious. And you can see that that person needs more education and training to be applying that to their animal. And that's not to say 
that they shouldn't use it at all, but they should definitely seek out good education from somebody qualified to teach them how to do it. And there's a lot of different modalities that are available to the end consumer that honestly salespeople that sell them, it's their job to sell the modality, right? To sell that equipment. But it's really important to learn that they don't tell you about the contraindications or about the situations where you shouldn't be using that modality because their job is to sell you the machine. So it's really important to learn more about that before you jump in head first and just buy a piece of equipment and start applying it without knowing how to properly use it. Would you agree with that, Dr. Shade? Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, 100%. <laughs> So, so where would you go to get the education to use that on your horse and, and not cause any problems? There really aren't any set programs to teach percussion gun usage that I'm aware of at this point. There are some videos on human use that can be really good if you understand how the human anatomy compares to the horse. But you need to learn that anatomy first and then look to learning about how to use a percussion gun properly. And then your best case is to actually find someone who's a professional in your area who incorporates a percussion gun into their work and ask them, hey, would you be willing to come out and show me how to do this properly and teach me? And if you're willing to pay them to teach you, that's going to get a lot better response than coming in and saying, hey, I want to do what you're doing. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of us really, really willing to put education out there and help our clients and help them understand how to best help their animals. Because there's things that you can do every day that I can't be there as often as you can. And things you can do once a week or whatever. There's, there's a lot of options to help your own horse as long as you're trained properly to do it. And those professionals are going to be your best source for that kind of information. So I have a, a Theragun for myself um, that my um, massage therapist recommended me getting, and it really helps with my sitting trot if I use it in the right places, um, and it's helping my riding, and I can tell how good it feels and how much better I feel after I use it, but how do we tell with our horses if it's making them feel better or if you're, you are on the right parts of the horse or um, the right muscles to help help the horse do their work. Uh, Dr. Shane, do you, do you have a response for that? Yeah, I can start with that and then I'll have Michelle tap in as well. But, um, you know, for me and a lot of working with what we call the horse's parasympathetic system, when you're doing this type of work, meaning you're getting the horse's body to essentially allow for relaxation and healing and you're reducing that stress response, right? You're going to start to see relaxation in the horse, deep breaths, licking and chewing, head going down. Um, and you're going to start to see um, these responses when you're working in an area that the horse is um, able to release that tension and stress. Um, and so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Michelle, but those would be things that I generally are looking for, as well as just the muscle relaxation. Um, you know, sometimes you can see it like physically with your eyes even. Um, Yeah, sometimes you can actually watch tissue fill in and really it's hydrating more than anything. So you're improving blood flow to that area and bringing water to the tissue and it's kind of filling in like you've removed a compression sock. That's how I like to describe myofascial release. But also another thing that you can notice to, to determine whether what you're doing is helping your horse is are they feeling better under saddle? Are you a skilled enough rider to recognize, you know, when your horse is tight or tense or when they're starting to get, are the movements becoming easier for them? And in any discipline, um, you can always look to those kind of clues to determine whether what you're doing is really helping. And a lot of times it will. Um, sometimes you'll notice that they're, they're maybe not seeing the improvement you had hoped for, and it may just be that you need to learn more about how to apply it correctly or how to apply it well for your animal, and that's where the professionals can come in and help you with that, too. But like, like Dr. Shade said, watching for that relaxation, the horse for a non-professional doing any form of body work on them should not be stressed out. They shouldn't be 
anxious or nervous. They shouldn't have their head really high in the air. And that even applies to to breeds that have a high head carriage. We work with Saddlebreds, Morgans, um, a lot of different breeds that actually have a really high head carriage. And even those horses will drop their head way down and, and cross ties even if they're tied. They'll drop their heads all the way down to the ground if they can during body work and really relax into a session. And that's not their normal posture. So seeing that response from them is really fun and really tells you that you're doing something right and that they really enjoy. We have a question uh, from our live audience. It's from Christine, and she wants to know if you have any thoughts on using PEMF blanket treatments for the horses. So, Michelle, is that something that you incorporate into your massage work? Uh, we actually use um, higher powered PEMF devices. We have some of the big machines um, from Pulse Equine is what we're using. But we also have clients that we've recommended because they have horses that are high performance athletes or that have more of a chronic tension pattern, things like that. Horses that have more longer term issues typically, or that have a specific issue that we're working with. We've actually advised some of them to get some of the lower powered blanket type PEMF devices, and they're relatively affordable. Um, as long as you're using them as intended, I think they can have a good effect they are designed to be used once or twice a day. So in my mind, that's more of an owner purchase rather than, or purchase for that matter, rather than something that I would buy a blanket and apply as a, as a therapeutic professional, because I'm looking to a big impact session every time I'm there and have the horse be significantly better each time. And then have you guys maintain it as owners in between. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Definitely. Um, Dr. Shade, we have a question for you from Terry in California. And Terry wants to know if horses can be injured by massage. So, um, yes. Do I have any specific examples? We can talk about a couple. But, you know, general caveat for massage is if you think you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Um, you're working with muscle groups, right? You're working with attachments to bone. Um, if you have certain types of injuries, you can definitely exacerbate or make those worse. Um, the importance of having a veterinary diagnosis, if that's needed in an injured horse first, um, is really first and foremost, because you could definitely worsen that injury. Um, if you have an otherwise, we'll say healthy horse, you're just looking to kind of help them along and you know, provided that this is getting applied by a professional, like we talked earlier with the knowledge of um, what they're doing and the anatomy and physiology of the horse, probably unlikely that they'll be injured or made worse um, by the situation. Um, so in general, yes, it can happen. However, I think if you're working with a professional, they're, they should be well equipped knowledge-wise to work within their means of that animal, right? So I would also ask Michelle if she had anything to add to that. Yeah, that's one of the areas where it's so important from my perspective that my team and other professionals in the industry should always start to develop relationships with the vets who are the attendings on the horses that they're working with. Because there's there's sometimes that the vet knows about a particular condition that that animal has that would kind of prescribe a different approach to how we would do body work or a different set of modalities that we might use. Um, and it's so important for us to know that. And sometimes the owners don't understand. And that's no offense to the owners at all. It's just that the vet knows more about that condition than they do, and they should, frankly. So sometimes we, we make a really big point of contacting the veterinarian before working on any case that has a history of any kind of medical issue or that is currently being treated by a vet for anything. If it's a maintenance case where we're just massaging a horse for relaxation, you know, we'll shoot them a text and say, hey, we're going to come see this horse on, you know, this day. Do you have any reason why we shouldn't, you know, just to touch base and make sure that there's not anything we need to be aware of before we go out there. And that's just so important because it is possible to cause an injury, but even more so to allow an injury to get worse that they already have, if that makes any sense. 
I think it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and so I have a, a question that's related for Dr. Shade. It's from Ayla in Nevada, who has a horse that has PSSM, and she wants to know if massage is okay for horses with muscle disorders like PSSM, and if so, do you have any recommendations for techniques? Yeah, so in general, I would say yes, uh, massage would be indicated for horses like that um, in general. So um, obviously, uh, most of us probably know how PSM works, but it is a muscle disease and it's a genetic muscle disease, right? And so when they're affected, there's almost like a tying up scenario or muscle cramping scenario. Would I advise massage at that time? Uh, no. Um, so in acute stages of injury, so to speak, um, or acute stages in general of disease, um, I would not apply massage, right? Because usually in acute stages, you're having heat, you're having inflammation, um, and you're going to create more blood flow and more uh, blood movement with your massage. And so would you be able to use massage to maintain a horse like that for overall balance, or we call homeostasis within the body, right? So just keeping them nice and supple in the in-between times um, as well. Uh, yes, I think that would definitely be be a good regimen to get on. Um, and do the second part of the question was, do I have any strokes that I would recommend? Is that right, Michelle? Any any techniques? Um... That, that you would recommend for those horses? Or is there a difference in the kind of massage that they would get compared to a horse that, that wasn't suffering for PSM? Yeah, my personal opinion, no. I think all of the techniques that we went over a little bit earlier, like the sports massage versus the Reiki massage versus the craniosacral work, I think any of those versus the myofascial release, like any of those would be fantastic for that type of horse, right? Because you're really managing that horse based on diet and exercise. And so... Um, do I think massage would necessarily decrease the occurrence of PSSM episodes? Probably not necessarily, but would it help the horse possibly recover quicker from PSSM episodes if they're receiving regular massage? Likely. Um, so massage or in general, Michelle, I don't know if you had ever worked on any PSSM horses that you would want to share with us at all? Uh, yeah, we've actually had quite a few PSSM cases and we have found that in between significant tie-up events, it's very appropriate to do consistent body work. Some PEMF can help with that. Um, used within reason, you don't want to create a lot of movement because these horses with excessive exercise tend to tie up. And because that tissue is contracting with the PEMF, you can create a problem if you're using it at too high of an intensity. But doing what, what we call a low trickle charge, really low with that horse can help or the blankets are, are really good sometimes. We've actually also worked with some really top vets in the country on active tie-up cases like horses that have come off of cross country for example at the Land Rover event that they thought was they thought were tying up um and we've we've done body work and PEF on on them but the target for that type of body work is to help flush out the system making sure that they're drinking consistently and they're really hydrating and they're getting fluids at the same time because you don't want to primarily address a PSSM tie-up with body work of any type. You really need to treat it medically first and then do conjunctive therapies on with the vet on board with that and making sure that everybody's on the same page. It's so important. Um, we have a question from our live audience, Dr. Shade. It's from Gloria. And Gloria noticed that KPP is the sponsor tonight uh, with their Elevate supplement, which is a vitamin E supplement. And Gloria wants to know if vitamin E is helpful for stiff and sore muscles in addition to massage. She said she's researched vitamin E and muscles and hasn't found a clear answer. Sure thing. So um, definitely some areas are um, a bit more deficient in certain uh, levels of vitamins or like selenium, for instance. Um, selenium is not one that I would recommend supplementing willy-nilly when I tell that to owners because you can definitely do um, some misguided things with that. But vitamin E, I think it's very clear on their label how to use it for maintenance conditions. 
Um, I think it's very much a good product um, for horses. It's very bioavailable when you're using the Elevate product. Um, I do tend to reach for um, the liquid and then supplement with the powder as I kind of transition. It does come down to, you know, highly specific cases and what I'm what I'm specifically dealing with. But to maintain your horse um, on the powder uh, product, I think, is a great idea when they're actively in work, right? I mean, you want that muscle recovery. Um, and so that really can help that musculoskeletal system very well. So I think that, that that is a great product for horses that are actively competing, actively working. Is it as necessary for the, you know, backyard pleasure horse? Um, I'd probably just visit that with your veterinarian and see what degree of work the pet, the dog, I'm sorry, the horse is doing, um, and see if there's any other underlying medical conditions that, you know, that the vitamin E could help support maybe primarily. So yeah, I think it's a great product. And for could Gloria, I, oh, sorry, Michelle. <laughs> uh, can I actually ask Dr. Shay to follow on question with that? Oh yeah, go for uh, it. I, we've had a few clients that have actually had blood levels of vitamin E pulled on their horses to determine whether they need additional vitamin E supplementation. Is that something that you would consider or recommend? Absolutely. I think that's a great baseline to get um, before and then a follow-up after. It gives you some real objective measurements to know if what you're doing is making a true difference. You know, just conducting your own N of one study is always great. And for Gloria, who submitted the question, we did do an Ask the Horse Live um, a year ago, I think, on vitamin E. Uh, and maybe our producer can pull up that link for me that I can share it. Um, we had Dr. Fino, who's done a lot of the genetic research around vitamin E deficiency. And so Gloria might find that helpful since she's been looking for information but hasn't uh, found what she was looking for. Um, so our next question is for Dr. Shade, and it's from Jasmine in Ireland, and she wants to know if massage is okay for pregnant mares. Uh, there's lots of uh, pregnancy uh, massages given to to women who are expecting. Is it something that's helpful for our horses as well? Yeah, so um, with pregnancy, um, there are some places that I would generally avoid, mainly knowing that as well from an acupuncture standpoint. So anything like below the elbows and below the stifles. Um, but overall, I think it's a great modality uh, for pregnant mares. Um, I really haven't done um, much massage on pregnant mares personally, a little bit more acupuncture on them. Um, Michelle, have you worked on any pregnant mares? Just a few, and it's really like we've done a few massage work. We've had a couple that have, we've done PEMF with, but the PEMF in particular is very much a last ditch effort. Has to be a really significant problem. Like the horse is really ataxic, and they're trying to get a mare through to folding and see if they can't save her life. Um, otherwise, it would be contraindicated in a pregnant mare. And the same applies to, to massage to some extent because of the acupuncture points that we may influence um, some of those meridian lines that can, that can affect the pregnancy and delivery and those types of things. So we try and stay away from it. Um, and if we are going to, to try and work with a pregnant mare, we're absolutely having an extensive phone call with their vet before we do it just to make sure that you know, everybody's on the same page and that the owner truly understands that there's some risks there and those kind of things. But sometimes it's, it's worth it to get them more comfortable and help them. And for uh, for Gloria, who asked the question earlier about vitamin E, I have a link for her that Jennifer pulled up. Uh, it's thehorse.com slash 188244. And if you go there, you can uh, download and listen to our Ask the Horse Live on vitamin E specifically. Um, with that, I have a question for Dr. Shade, and it's from Kathy, who's in our live audience. And she wants to know if it's okay for the massage therapist to gently hold the tongue for hyoid release. She said that she's gotten mixed answers to this question. Um, I have to be honest, um, I've heard of the practice. It's not something that I do. I'm probably going to turf that one to Michelle. It's not something that I generally recommend. 
Um, but let's let's hear from you, Michelle. Yeah, the the issue for me with using the tongue in a leverage type position, even if you're only gently pulling on it, is we've all seen a horse spook completely unexpectedly out of nowhere. And if you're holding out of that tongue, I can guarantee you their reflexes are way faster than yours are. And the hyoid bone is a structure that, that sits in the middle of the base of the tongue and is really only connected to the rest of the skeleton through soft tissue, through muscle support. And you can cause significant damage to that hyoid by doing that type of stretch if something goes wrong, especially. So we typically lean towards doing other techniques, like you can actually rub the bars of the mouth, and just very slowly and lightly and gently rub the bars of the mouth and get the horse to stick their tongue out and you really can get them to start to loosen up through their throat latch and release their hyoid that way. And it's a much lower risk option um, honestly, I can't think of any risk to that other than you might get your fingers bitten if you're not doing it well. <laughs> but I, we really advise against using the tongue in a, in a leverage type position, even gently, because of those risks. Um, we have a question for Michelle Jean in New Brunswick, Canada, wants to know if a one-week horse massage course would be worth the investment. That's a tough that's a tough question to answer to some level because it depends on the person attending. It depends on what their goal is. Um, one of my team members actually went to a one week certification course for equine massage before she came and worked with me for six months, learning myofascial release and other techniques. So for her, the the week long course was a good starting point to give her some concepts, but it wasn't enough to give her the confidence to go out and work in the industry and feel truly knowledgeable about it. Um, if, but for an owner to want to go and do a week long course and start there, or for for someone who wants to work professionally in the industry, it's a good starting point. You'll learn a lot from it. But just keep in mind that you'll ha you'll need to do a lot of continuing education from there and keep learning over time to be the best you can for these horses that, that take such great care of us. Dr. Shade, we have a question from Susan in New Jersey, and she wants to know if massage can help a normally high-strung horse be more relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just like Michelle mentioned earlier, some of those high-strung horses that normally even have high head carriage absolutely relax when the right techniques, you know, and the right um, person is applying them, meaning, you know, a professional that, that's able to get those responses. Um, it's pretty amazing to, you know, coming at this with the right energy as you, the human, plays a huge role in how the sessions go, right? So, you know, neither myself nor Michelle come at these from a high anxiety type standpoint, right? So we're really trying to change the energy flow as it's, you know, leaving us and going into horses. And so there, there is a lot of high strung horses that respond beautifully to massage. And in fact, if I can just expand upon that a little bit, since I do acupuncture as well, I mean, there are a lot of very successful acupuncturists that can that can needle high-strung horses. Um, I find that when I look at the whole picture, a lot of time those horses do better with massage sessions first um, for a little while, and and acupuncture as a follow-up or an add-on therapy to something like that. So sometimes I look at a very high-strung breed, and depending on what the condition is that I want to address, I. I definitely reach for acupuncture or for massage first, without a doubt. We have a question from Callie in the live audience, Dr. Shade, and she wants to know if there are any massage techniques that can be used on the lower limbs to increase circulation and increase joint comfort. Um, I guess that would be a little bit hard to describe in in words in short fashion, but uh, the answer is yes. Um, there are um, some mild movements um, that I do with the leg, not in weight bearing and, and off the ground. There are strokes. A lot of what I think about is um, with horses, you know, gravity is such a factor with how they're built on those four legs. Everything wants to trend down and a lot of, a lot of strokes are, are moving fluid up 
towards the core, right? So it can be circulated and moved around. And so I tend to to think about it that way and have a real visualization in my head when I'm working on horses that way. Um, but yeah, there are there are definitely some techniques that you can use to to help the limbs. I mean, when you're massaging, we're not just talking about the trunk, head and neck, right? We're talking about all the way down to the coronary band um and so and all the way out to the tail and all the way up to the pole and the head and jaw and so it's it's really the whole horse we have a question for michelle this is a very practical question it's from cheryl in new york who wants to know what's the best way to work on a draft horse she said she's she's five three and she doesn't want to be on a stool because uh, she might risk falling off. So what do you do when you're, you have a big horse to work on? Well, it's really funny because I actually work on a lot of 18 hand horses. People underestimate how big some of these horses in South Florida are. They're huge in a lot of cases. And I'm lucky enough to have a few inches on you, Cheryl. I'm five, six, and I have really long arms. So that helps a lot. But um, some better options than a stool, you could get like one of the blocks that a chiropractor uses that's more like a hay bale size. You can actually use a bag of shavings. Sometimes that helps. Um, I tend to not work on a stool basically for that reason. And I also, you know, the horses, I try and let them move around as much as they need to or want to to be comfortable so that they stay really relaxed for me. So I try to not be standing on something if at all possible, but there are times when you're just working on a really, really tall horse and they're just really far up there and you do have to work with a stool sometimes. Mounting blocks are another good option. Um, you still can fall off of those, obviously, on, on any of these things, but they give you a little bit broader base of support. So hopefully those things will help you. Um, we have a question, Dr. Shade, from Glenn in our live audience who wants to know what maintenance work do you suggest after you've done a massage on a horse? For example, should the horse um, get a warm bath, Epsom salts, liniments uh, to the treating, er, treated area, trotting, hand walking, turnout? Uh, what, what is the protocol for after the massage? Yeah, so my protocol, and I think everyone could be a little bit different depending on the uh, the reason for the massage. You know, if it's just pure relaxation versus you're rehabbing an injury sort of thing. So obviously, if we're in the latter, we're going to be deferring to what our veterinarian is also suggesting for rehabbing. So if we just take our our horse, our reliable mount that we are giving a massage for relaxation for um, generally what I like to do is um, honestly give them like small paddock turnout for about 24 hours or so um, and then they can return to like their normal um, paddock turnout after that if it's a larger field with other horses. Um, I tend to leave them in their stall for about an hour or two. I want them to sort of be able to drink as much as they want to when they're in the stall, when they're in small paddock turnout and not have a lot of hierarchical issues from other horses. Um, but I really want them to be able to move afterwards, be able to stretch um, and be able to feel relaxed, um, be able to lay down if they want to. So I don't tend to recommend bathing, Epsom salts, liniments, um, anything like that. How about you, Michelle? Um, typically the same. I like them to move as much as they possibly can. We work with a lot of horses that are in really small paddock turnout, particularly in South Florida, because the, there's just limited turnout down here in general from a horse management perspective. But occasionally we would recommend liniment on certain areas that had a lot of tension. For the most part, we're not going to make those kinds of recommendations other than in very specific cases because that's something that we tend to leave to the to the trainer and the vet to talk about. But if a horse had a really tight area, we might recommend a little liniment or even sometimes a little poultice on an area just to try and kind of help cool it out a little bit and help it, you know, keep fluid moving through there and keep it a little more limber. And then getting making sure again that they're absolutely drinking as much as they possibly can and getting movement as much as they can. It really helps them after body work. 
We have a question, Michelle, from Elizabeth in North Carolina who wants to know if massage is better before exercise or after exercise. Oh gosh, that's complicated too. Um, it just depends <laughs> what the goal is with the massage. We have horses that we will work on and they will go straight to the show ring right after. And we have other horses that take a little time to kind of accommodate that change in their body and they need sometimes one of them even up to 10 days before he can go in the show ring he just needs a little extra time to kind of sort everything put it back together and then he's good to go and he works in the meantime but it's not ideal for him to go to the show ring so for me I typically prefer to work on them after they've exercised for the day and then give them at least the rest of that day to kind of relax and kind of figure out changes in their body and things that are more balanced and even now and that kind of thing. Um, but we do have some that we work on at horse shows and they go, they go right in the show ring and they do great. And that's when they perform their best. So it really comes down to how that individual responds. And for me, it's very important to try and test that theory before you're at the show, if at all possible. Uh, we do take new horses on at horse shows, but we do try and get some history on them. And, you know, if they've had body work before, what kind of body work, have they had any issues, those kind of things, so we can accommodate their needs as best as possible. Um, Dr. Shade, we have a question from Lisa in Maryland who wants to know if you as a rider should feel a difference after your horse receives any type of massage. Yeah, I think we touched on that a little bit, and I would say absolutely if you're a keen rider to, you know, differences in your seat and your horse's movement and their range of motion and their ability to stretch and um, have more fluidity and things like that in their gait, um, without a doubt, I mean, every horse that I've worked on, they've always had positive, you know, glowing changes um, in their uh, rides after massage. So um, I think it's just a matter of then how long can you sustain that, right? Until either the horse or the rider gets back into maybe some of their quirky ways and then some muscles start to shorten and things like that. Um, so the length of sustaining those changes is also, you know, a fine tuning ability for that rider so that they can stay on top of that and then get that body work performed again um, before things kind of track out too far with, with um, or backtrack too far again. Um, and I just wanted to kind of add, I think we've mentioned it, but just not obviously that I really feel like this is preventative medicine. And that's something I feel really strongly about in general when I'm working as a veterinarian. And so um you know, just like you think about it for humans as well, that massage is really preventative medicine. You're you're trying to prevent injuries. Although we can use it in response to an injury, um, we're really trying to keep everybody, every horse happy and healthy to perform at their best and, and not have an injury. So that's really the goal. Dr. Shade, we recently ran an article covering a study about tail pulling for horses uh, to reduce back pain and they found that when vets were trained and did the tail pulls that the horses had a significant improvement in their back pain. Um, we have a question from Janet in Missouri who probably read that article because it was it was very popular on our website. Um, she wants to know if tail pulls are safe to perform without professional training. I wouldn't advise it um, only because you know if, and if you read through the article just uh, muscles of the back stretch down into the tail, right? And so there's really a specific angle, a specific time frame that they they tested. Um, you're feeling for certain responses, even you're really being in tune with the horse's body language and the feel of everything. And so um, I would honestly leave that to a professional, unless your professional is is teaching you um, and needs you to maintain something like that, like they could with certain massage strokes and things like that. But I mean, that should definitely be guided by someone that knows what they're doing. And, and I would highly recommend someone that knows what they're doing is the one doing it all the time, honestly. And Michelle, is this, is the tail pull something that you use frequently in your work? 
we use it sometimes, but so much of our work is hands-on directly on the tissues that the tail pull is stretching that we tend to address them more directly from that aspect. And then if we need to maintain something in between, then we may actually touch base with that horse a couple times a week if we're in the facility and do some gentle tail pulls and some other stretches with them to help them kind of maintain in between. Uh, we do have a few owners that we teach how to do tail pulls, but they have to remember that they're, they need to focus on exactly that tail pull, that it's not an innocuous stretch. Um, you can potentially create a, a problem or exacerbate an existing problem if you're not paying attention to what the tone is there. Um, there, there's just some things that you really need to pay attention to. So again, as Dr. said, we tend to leave that mostly to the professionals or under the guidance of a professional. Well, unfortunately, it's uh, already 9 p.m. Eastern. The hour went by really fast, um, but that's all the time that we have for the, tonight. I want to thank Michelle and Dr. Shade for joining us and answering our questions. I thought we had a great conversation. Thank you so much. It was fun to be here. And thank you, Dr. Shade, for joining us. Of course, it was my pleasure. Thanks for all the great questions from everyone. It was, it was a great time. I enjoyed sharing this with you. I also want to thank our sponsor, Kentucky, or, or Kentucky Performance Products, and to everyone listening, thank you for joining us, and we hope you join us next time. We're going to be talking about nutrition in uh, the next two months. We have a, a two-part series on nutrition coming up. Until then, from all of us at The Horse, we hope you have a great night. <laughs>